0: You are listening to the voice of Ahlu Sunnah Wal Jamaah. Merhaba. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Ah, Juma Mubarak. Juma Mubarak. Oh, the most wonderful day of the year. It's worth two Eids, you know. Just one Juma. Very special day. Alhamdulillah for blessing us with this day. where... The rewards of our Amal are increased so greatly, where durood is so readily accepted. Alhamdulillah for providing us with this day. You know, I hope, I hope you made your 100 durood after your Maghrib. 70 needs of the dunya and 30 of the akhirah are met as a result of that. Tonight, tonight, make tonight a special durood night for the most blessed of all creation, our beloved Ahmed. Sallallahu alaihi wa Nabiya Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the best of creation, send durood and blessings and salutations upon him. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa al-Ali Sayyidina Mawlana Muhammadin wa barik wa sallim jazalawana Muhammadin sallallahu alayhi wa sallam bima huwa ahlu Welcome to Business Matters with me, your host, Alameen Templeton. Remember, remember uh yeah also at the time of maghrib one of the easiest ways uh, to get yourself um, laylat al-qadr the, re- the reward of lay little qadr read surah alif lam sajda and surah Muk, and you get the reward of lay little qadr 80 years of accepted ibadah tomorrow after asr just take a few moments 80 80 times you say alluma ala muhammad nabiyul wal ali wasallim taslima and again you get the reward of 80 years of ibadah think about it alluma salli ala sayyidin alluma muhammad nabiyul wal ali waslim taslima a whole years worth of ibadah just with that what a wonderful day what a wonderful day it is juma alhamdulillah 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 Well, coming up in our show, we've got the Rand Rises after the Eskom PIC plan is uh, leaked to the market. Business Day brought out a report today saying that the PIC is looking at converting its bonds uh, into equity at Eskom and to take a hand at the tiller. Mm. Interesting. Uh, I I remarked on this uh, at the... um, in the uh, State of the Nation address, or it may have been, no, no, in actual fact it was the budget address when uh, private when Atita um, Mbaweni announced that uh, they, they would be looking at um, allowing bondholders to have oversight of and to have say of uh, state-owned enterprises, um, operations, and uh, its management and I said at the time, now what kind of bondholder wants to do that? The whole thing about bonds is that they're easily convertible. They're liquid. They're liquid, you know. Uh, you don't want to uh, go and get uh, some South African rands and then you have to go off to the Reserve Bank. And, well, actually, you know, I wouldn't mind that. I've got some rands here. I'm a shareholder in the South African Reserve Bank. Um, I'd like to speak to you about broadening your mandate. Yes, no, in actual fact, that could appeal to me, Um, but I'm sure that the vast majority of people who are just moving in and out of bonds on a daily basis, you know, the majority of bond, uh, bond traders are not interested in having to manage the affairs of the company that it's bought the bond in. The whole reason why it buys the bond is so that it can make a little profit after a few years' time, you see. So um, uh, when you suddenly have a whole host of other kind of problems, you have to take over the management of the company. That's really seriously going to decline appetite or reduce appetite uh, for bonds of a corporation. Uh, But it would seem that the government has a plan with the PIC, the administrator of uh, the government's pension funds. that the PIC is now basically going to take over Escom. It may even lead to privatization if some if some reports uh, have any veracity to them. So, inshallah, we'll be returning to that in a little while. Stocks across the world have risen. Um, uh, the U.S. has declared that, you know, it looks as there's going to be three interest rate cuts this year, probably uh, 0.25 basis points each, um, and probably uh, the first one coming this month. Um, uh, so stock markets all around the world have taken off, uh, including emerging markets. But at the same time, you know, that gold price uh, continues rising as well. Now, you know, uh, one would think that the United States announcing that it's not going to be increasing interest rates. In fact, it's going to be cutting interest rates. That's after doling out like $9 trillion worth of easy money into its economy. Uh, it made a little move at uh, trying to repay that money a few years ago, and the stock markets went into paroxysms all over around the world, including here in South Africa. And uh, now it looks as though the US is basically backing away almost completely from any kind of commitment to repay that money in some way. And uh, is now, instead of like seeking to repay the money and increase interest rates, which is where it should be going, it is now reducing interest rates. Now, for all of the 27,000 record levels of Wall Street, for all the 224,000 jobs that were added in May, the U.S. Fed says, yeah, well, you see, the problem is that wages aren't really rising. Uh, although all of these jobs have been added into the economy, 224,000 new jobs in May, we are not seeing any increases in salaries. Despite 224,000 new jobs coming into our economy, we're still not seeing any response from uh, inflation, as there should be. If there was if this was genuine growth that was happening, if it wasn't Frankenstein growth that was happening, inflation should be showing some signs of revival in the United States and it's not. Mm. Is that why the gold price is going up? Well, the gold price could be going up also because the oil price is going up. Now, why is the oil price going up? Mm. Um, Well, you know, OPEC has committed itself to reducing its output, uh, producing less oil for higher prices, um, artificially stimulating demand, if you want to put it that way, Um, putting up uh, uh, pricing pressures all around the world, reducing uh, (coughs) uh, competing economies, as is competing with the United States, uh, reducing their ability to grow, well, you could say that uh, it has had some intended effects, but at the same time, uh, world growth as a result of the, the the trade war between China and America that is still ongoing—it's kind of like fallen into kind of like Cold War stage now, hasn't it? Uh, both sides well, well, you know, they got onto the phones, you know, and there was that meeting at the on the sidelines of the G20 in Tokyo, not in Tokyo, in Japan, Osaka, and. Uh, well, you know, um, Trump and um, Xi Jinping, they shook hands. Now, uh, yesterday, there was a telephone call. There's a telephone call between China and the trade negotiator and uh, American trade, trade negotiator and China. Uh, let this uh, fact be known, uh, saying that they're willing to resume talks, but only uh, if they're going to be recognized as an equal. There has to be parity, they say. There has to be respect. Um... Well, so, you know, basically, I don't know anyone know, who was uh, yeah, alive in South Africa in the 1990s, you know, we're we in, we in the talks about talk stage. Uh, and it looks as though even if they do get down to talking, it's going to be, you know, China, last uh, time we heard, has a 1,500 objections to American proposals. So it's going to be a long time, even once they start talking, before any kind of deal is going to come about. And in the meantime, $250 billion worth of tariffs are stuck onto uh, Chinese imports into the United States. China very unhappy about this. In the meantime, Russia, China, and even India every now and then, uh, the whole of Asia are starting to move closer together. Uh, And, uh, you know, America is increasing... uh, It's not uh, letting up on its uh, pressure on Iran, uh, calling on uh, a naval coalition of the willing uh, to uh, patrol uh, the Strait of Hormuz and the Red Sea, the Bab al-Mandab as it's called. That very narrow little choke point there. All these choke points to trade routes around the world. Very interesting to have a look at them. Of course, Turkey, Istanbul, uh, formerly Constantinople, or Byzantium in Roman times, uh, is another major choke point. There's a site of the Gallipoli campaign in the First World War. Uh, for that very reason, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's where the, and the um and the juggler come together. Into uh, into the Black Sea, all those rivers going into Europe, uh, going into Russia, uh, major trade routes always always have been and still are. Of course, there's uh, ma- major ports there, and uh, hmm. well, the United States is has the Saudi Arabia has increased its troops presence uh, in ports along the Red Sea today. It's announced that this is what it's going to be doing. Uh, but it's still not a naval force, is it? Uh, and, of course, the United States calling for a naval force is primarily worried about the Strait of the right off the coastline of Iran, with all of its high-speed torpedoes and high-speed uh, missiles and shut down a drone, the $120 million drone, with the lo- latest drone wanted to see if it would be able to. If They, they actually flew another aircraft behind it, uh, trying to mask the drone. But the uh, Iranians not only was able to differentiate between the two aircraft. They also warned the American aircraft with the men on board that if they didn't clear out, they'd be shot down, and then promptly shot down the drone. So, you know, they've, in order to be able to do that, you see, uh, you need technology which is greater than what the um, than what the Syrians have at the moment. And so it's, it's a pretty advanced uh, rocket technology, but the United States not letting up. And as a result, the gold price continues going up. Uh, so, uh, you know... For all of the hurrahs that, uh, yeah, the United States is going to lower interest rates, and nevertheless, risk remains in the world economy, and I think that is reflected in the gold's continuing northward climb. Uh, what's happening uh, to Ramaphosa's 300 billion rands in investment pledges that he received uh, in 2018, 2017, 2018? Uh, we'll have more details on that, inshallah. ANZ denies asking the PIC for funding. Uh, the EFF has rejected Maria Rothschild's, oh, sorry, uh, Maria Ramos's appointment to the PIC. Uh, mining output falls in May. Oh, dear me. Gold rises on interest rate cut talk. salsi uh, is in talks to delay uh, debt repayments. Uh, and uh, much more than that coming up in the show. Right. But first, before we do anything, let's go for the tail of the tape. Let's go and find out how the JSE, in as much as it is a uh, measure of South Africa's uh, narrow economy, I well, would we say it's more like uh, Santon's narrow economy. Um, uh, yeah, people, people who are living in Toyandu, uh, people who are living in Hazyview, uh, people who are living in um, Timbaville. They live their entire lives. Never once thinking about what is happening with the JSE, you know, worrying about how much how much uh, you can buy a tomato for. You can buy a tomato for two rand nowadays. That's what a tomato costs from a little um, spaza shop around the corner. And the onion goes for around about the same price. Mm, that's what two rand can buy. One rand buys you very little nowadays. You can get sweeties and things for one rand nowadays. Got to know the value of one rand if you're going to make a million, you know. Otherwise, a billion will never be enough. And uh, looking at the JSE, well, the JSE is uh, down today, down a half percentage point. uh, The all share index and the uh, top 40 index, 57,273.14 is the all share index, 51,188.17 is the top 40 index. But the rand continuing. As an would climb against the, almost every single currency in the world, um, it's uh, up against the dollar, it's up against the pound, up against the euro, the Saudi real, the Australian dollar, it's up against uh, the Turkish uh, lira, it's up against the Japanese yen. It's difficult to find anyone who's capable of standing up against the rampant rand nowadays. And as we said yesterday, um, uh, trade activity coming out from uh, the South African Chamber of Commerce and Industry indicating uh, that we're in for a much better second half. Um, bank banking transactions and salaries and wages also indicating that salaries are on up and uh, that the second half is looking like increasingly it's going to be, hopefully, well, half of a golden winter and half of and a golden spring and half of a golden summer. Uh, We're really looking forward to our second half because, oh boy, we have had a really tough time. Hasn't it really been a really kind of like grinding out first half of the year for us? And, uh, you know, a little bit of respite in the six months ahead would be very welcome indeed. So, yeah, the rand is trading at thirteen ninety five to the dollar seventeen forty eight to the pound and fifteen seventy to the euro. Gold has uh, settled back a little it's on a thousand four hundred and seven dollars eighty of finance, but um, maintaining its uh its level above the thousand four hundred and the longer it remains above that, uh, the more likely it's going to look as though it's going to head northward. People' starting to speak about a thousand five hundred rand gold by the end of the year. Well, you know, um, interest rate cuts. It's going to be interesting to see what the U.S. interest rate cut does. If it's going to be able to stimulate anything in the land of uh, the cowardly and the home of the insecure, uh, yeah, yeah, the, um, the Prozac nation. Uh, what is going to be happening is, uh, are the interest rate cuts going to have an effect? Is it going to do anything then more than just give a little bit of a lift um, and then uh, back down again? Uh, leading to another interest rate cut and another little lift and then back down again. Now, say we have three interest rate cuts uh, by the end of the year and they've done absolutely nothing. What is that going to do to the gold price? And uh, what if somebody does press a button, either in Saudi Arabia or Iran, you know, deliberately or even by mistake? What will happen to the price of gold? Oh, well, yeah, very difficult to say, you know. Um, the price of gold may go up, but then, uh, you know, if war did break out, real serious war did break out, well, the gold price would go through the roof, uh, but uh, investors would flee to U.S. Treasuries. Uh, they, they'd jump out of the Johannesburg Stock Exchange so quickly, you wouldn't even be able to say, wow. Um, well, the biggest losers on the JSE today, uh, we've got property uh, re- uh Uh, Real estate investment trust in prop and high prop, uh, both there. Uh, The JSE itself is in third place. Woolies is leading. Um, I I read something about uh, the share price going up or something, earnings equative or something. Business Day was trumpeting it, of course. Um, I can't remember what it was. I refuse to remember because uh, I can't recall anyone saying that the boycott against Woolies is over. Which is a bit of a pity, you know. And when I was uh, I was working at Moneyweb um, in in Santon a few years ago, I used to go around to the Woolies and get myself a fifty rand of freshly ground uh, packet of coffee. And uh, well, it's still like uh, the best uh, tasting coffee that I've had so far. But uh, well, I haven't tasted it since then, and uh, the JSE is still there. Uh, Mr. Price is the fourth biggest winner on uh, the JSE today. Biggest losers into prop, and that's another rate. Goldfield, Cecil, Glencore, and British American Tobacco. Those are the biggest losers on the JSE. All right, okay, so let's head on to some uh, wider news then, shall we? Yeah, so the Rand rose to the strongest level since February after Eskom's biggest bondholder was said to have a rescue plan for the state-owned company. Uh, the biggest bondholder was, of course, the Public Investment Corporation, with more than a trillion rands worth of government pensions under administration. Uh, the government is increasingly seen it as its uh, its own bailout little wallet. Um, the ANC today denied Dan, uh, Dr. Dan Machila's uh, statements before the PIC inquiry yesterday uh, that he had been pressured uh, many times uh, to provide funding uh, for ANC projects, and uh, it was his resistance to these uh, that actually was, uh, in, in the end, the reason for his departure. And uh, interestingly enough, you know, as the new board is announced yesterday with uh, Maria Maria Rothschild Ram- Ramos as, uh, as one of the members, suddenly uh, this uh, deal, kind of like news, uh, trickles out that the PIC is planning to change its equity, its its bonds for equity to become an actual shareholder in ESCOM. And that means that it wants to have a hand on the tiller. It wants to be able to say who should be on the board. It wants to have a say over operations. And if necessary, it also wants to have a say as to how it is going to be privatized and taken to the JSE. Well, I'm quite sure that there are a few uh, Casatu um, shop stewards who... Who choking over their coffee as a result of that, or or Ruibos tea? Um, well, they, they they do like uh, stronger things in their cups, I must say, my experience with most um, uh, trade unionists over the many years. Um, yeah, so, uh, but uh, that news did lift the market. It did, did lift the JSE uh, briefly. Uh, but it, it fell back again. Um, the, it was doing pretty well. Um, most emerging markets did raise. Um, yeah, I was a little bit sad to see it falling into, into red territory ret- ret- towards the end of the day. But there you go. I, I guess maybe the market was saying, you know what, maybe uh, hurrah, hurrah, the PIC is going to step in and save ESCOM. was a little bit overdone. Because is the PIC really going to be able to save ESCOM? Now, looking at the retracing of the market today, one would uh, think that most business managers, most chief executives don't agree with that. Most people who put money into other people's um, businesses also don't believe it. So, yeah, <clears throat> the PIC wants to convert its 90 billion rands holdings yeah, into equity in return for a say over ESCON's management, including board representation. That's according to five sources with direct knowledge of the talks. I wonder if one of them was Maria Ramos, but anyway. uh, A debt equity swap, swap means a creditor becomes a shareholder. And if the amount of debt swapped is large enough, even potentially a controlling shareholder. Uh, according to Christian Maggio, the head of emerging market strategy at TD Securities in London, in his language, that is tantamount to privatization, albeit in stealth mode. Uh, is Casata going to see it this way? Look, you know, uh, PIC is managing uh, public pension funds. It's, uh, it's, it's almost an SOE on its own, you know, an SOE taking over another SOE. You uh, can scratch your head and kind of say, no, that's not privatization. That's just like um, redirection, you know. Um, no, that's not privatization. I'm going to your head a little bit more. But now this redirection could result in the the ESCOM being taken to the JSE and listening on the JSE. Ah, that's privatization language. That's definitely privatization language. Um, according to Maggio, uh, this is not going to happen. And I would tend to agree with him. I would tend to agree with him unless there's um, some really serious moves afoot, some um, serious weight behind it. Uh, i can't see it going anywhere. um i mean uh I can I can understand now. okay, oh so it's only one bondholder that uh Tetaumbuwe was speaking about when he suggested when he suggested in his budget vote that um uh, they start selling bonds and, and give bondholders a right uh, to give advice on how SOE should be managed. You know, bondholders, bond traders are not interested in that kind of thing. So the only bond trader that could be interested in that kind of thing would be a PIC that doesn't have Dr. Dan Machila at its helm anymore. So, uh if, if the PRC gets to vote on it with this new board just put in, I would reckon that the PIC would actually say, yes, we will go with that. We are in favor of such a deal. Uh, the ANC would probably say, yes, we're also in favor of such a deal. Uh, but, of course, now the PIC will start talking about ESCOM's um, 48,000 huh? 48, 48, workers. Uh, when in actual fact, ESCOM needs 16,000 workers. Uh, When all of the troubles at ESCOM started out, they first started out with the doubling of its staff complement, from 16,000 to 32,000. And then they increased it to 48,000. So now you've got 48,000 workers doing the job of 16,000 workers. So, of course, the first thing that's going to happen with ESCOM is 32,000 jobs are going to be on the line. You see, this is the very big, horrible, difficult hole that government has dug itself into, or um, uh, the state capture guys have dug us into. Um, You know, how do you you turn something like that around? How do you throw 32,000 workers onto the street? 32,000 times 5 is 160,000 people affected. 160,000 people affected. And, of course, um, uh, most of the power stations are close to small little mining communities. And uh, the effect on that small little community would be disastrous. You know, um, I hear echoes in my mind from that symposium um, in Cape Town a few months ago, a just transition from coal. You can't just kind of cut off the pipeline. Would the PIC plan be uh, a means of working to adjust transition? I mean, uh, if you're going to have a shareholder, you'd prefer it to be the PIC than, uh, like, say, for instance, um, Bain. Hmm? Bain would come in and direct the entire company and uh, take the profits and duck, and the whole country would be in darkness. Um, you know, that's a company that was um, trying to remodel SARS and turned it a complete disaster. It's like, uh, you know, um, it's like uh, some people on state-owned enterprises are, in actual fact, saboteurs. They're not actually chief executives. Um, uh, so, you know, we've got a new board at ESCOM. Okay, fine. So the chief executives just resigned, tired of having a restructuring officer uh, in, the, in the wings and depriving Gordon on the phone every morning. Um, you know, well, how can I put together a plan? Private Gordon is keeping up front of me in the morning. And, you know, even if Private and I do agree on a plan forward, uh, then we're going to have a restructuring officer which is going to come in and change everything again. You know, uh, this is uh, the problem of trying to manage uh, things by committee. Um, and then when the one guy does try to step forward, uh, he's, he's going to be undercut. He's going to be cut off at the knees um, and, uh, on every turn. So the the plan for a struggling utility would be a relief for government bonds and the RAND, if it actually does come together, which has been weighed out by concerns of the impact of bailouts on the nation's finances. Of course, everyone's got a car eye looking at Moody's who's getting ready um, later on in the year to downgrade us to junk. I wonder if that would uh, spur greater activity in south africa 's bonds. I wonder if maybe the yield would actually decrease you know because dem- demand is increasing, so the yield decreases the discount you know say so two hundred and fifty rand bond you sell you sell it uh, to the market at a discount of say six percent um, so you sell it uh, for one hundred and fifteen rand less, so the two hundred and fifty rand bond would be sold for two hundred and thirty five rands. And uh, you buy it for 235 rands. And when you go and you cash it in, you hand it back. Uh, you pay 250 rands, and so you make your 15 rands. So then you buy a thousand of those bonds, and you you make a little bit more profit that way. And so then when the bond gets traded on the markets, depending on demand for the bond, if uh, if it's uh, you know people will go and they'll buy that bond if they see it has been as a, it's a steady bond, but the 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 discount is a little bit too high. Um, I reckon I'll buy it. Maybe the discount will increase or maybe the discount will decrease. And, uh, you know, uh, you can get uh, uh, most bonds in South, South African bonds trading nowadays on about 8 8.5% eight discount at the moment. But I wonder uh, if we went to junk, would that uh, would that discount actually decrease? I wonder. Anyway, uh, because you see uh, the, the formal bond market has got all the major funds with it, but uh, the junk bond market is also a very active market. Um, or maybe I'm just speaking nonsense now. Well, you know, you've got to try and see a silver lining on Moody's chucking us into junk status. Uh, I think it's in November when they're due to make their final decision. They have to make one decision this year. They're supposed to have made one earlier on, and then they didn't. They just issued an opinion, they said. Um, And in actual fact, um, uh, the opinion was pretty good on South Africa. You know, if they had chosen uh, to make a formal rating, um, I think it would have been beneficial to the country, um, but uh, but then that's you know opportunity missed, I suppose. Um, China says trade negotiations with the U.S. will restart, while stressing that its core concerns need to be addressed. Uh, its uh, spokesman for its Ministry of Commerce has said today at a press conference. His name's Gao Feng. The trade teams in both nations will restart trade negotiations on the basis of equality and mutual respect, following the consensus agreed to by their two state leaders in Osaka. The remarks signal that the lead negotiators from the world's two biggest economies may soon get back to the negotiating table. Well, we'll have to leave it there, because uh, we're going to have to cross to the markets for some commercial news. Uh, We'll be back in just a little moment. Please don't go away. You are listening to the voice of Ahlus Sunnah wal Jama'an. Right, well, as we said before the break there, it looks as though the Cold War between uh, the United States and China, uh, which is where it is at the moment. Uh, Both sides not really talking to each other. Trump getting together on the sidelines of the G20 in Osaka, Japan. Um, Well, that was a little, Let's try and reestablish talk now. Apparently, the, uh, the lead negotiators had a chat on the phone. Uh, as a result, markets all over the world, like, you know, you'd swear it's Chris- Christmas. You'd swear it's Eid. you swear it's two Eids, uh, the way everyone's responding. Uh, but, of course, uh, there's a vast difference between two guys having a chat on the telephone to actually getting around to um, brokering a deal. And uh, whether or not we'll ever even see a deal before the end of the year, I really have some serious doubts. Uh, as as we say, uh, this is more like talks about talks than real talks. According to uh, Zhu Xiaoming, a former official and diplomat, uh, a phone call is not an official restart of negotiations, but rather preparation. It seems the two sides are arm wrestling about the basis on which they'll resume talks as well as when and where. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so that's talks about talks. It's not real talks. It's not really taking us anywhere further. Uh, And so, you know, the Cold War remains. But nevertheless, today, U.S. equities futures climbed alongside stocks in Europe and Asia. Investors cheered fresh shines, fresh Signs from central bankers that rates are headed lower. Treasuries were steady while the dollar declined. Contracts from the main U.S. gauges uh, gained day after Standard & Poor's briefly topped 3,000 rand for the first time on signals that Federal Reserve Chairman Jeremy Powell is willing to lower rates. Citing a slowing global economy and trade issues. Now, of course, the slowing global economy and trade issues is all due to the United States. Um, You know, the United States, as I say many times on this show. Is no longer a global superpower. It's now a global super problem. Um, emerging market stocks climbed along with currencies, but, uh, you know, uh, as the feel-good factor from uh, the PIC supposed bailout plan for ESCOM started to fade, so the JSE sort of tended lower today. Uh, but nevertheless, as I say, the RAND still on steroids, and it's, it's beating the stuffing out of all of its competitors. Um, now... Silver Mapoza said, We've got 250 to 300 billion rands worth of investment pledges. Uh, and uh, this is really going to be good for the economy. Some people started saying, But come on, show us some money. Show us some money. So he's an economics advisor, a Trudy Makaya. Sure. I once, uh, I once had a, uh, a run in with Tabum Becky's financial advisor. Ooh. Well, wow, that was a very interesting story. Maybe I'll tell it one day. But anyway, Ramaphosa's economics advisor, Trudy Makaya, says that $250 billion of the $300 billion pledged at last year's investment conference hosted by the president is already in implementation. It may not be felt in indicators as yet, she says, but it is in the works. This includes investments like Vedanta's Hamsburg mine in the northern Cape, uh... The uh, Mara smartphone manufacturing plant at the Dubai Trade Port, at Durban's King Shaka Airport, a Procter and Gamble factory which manufactures Nappies. Okay. Uh, further Rio Tinto investment into Richards Bay Minerals, uh, the upgrade of a Mondi plant, also in Richards Bay, and the construction of base stations for RAIN's 4G and 5G networks. We're supposed to be already getting that 5G. We're still waiting. Swaziland, Eswatini already has their 5G. We're still waiting. But as I've cautioned on the show before, uh, I have a feeling that in coming decades we are really going to regret the uh, the introduction of 5G. This is really the stage of the, you know, the rise of the machines. So where the battle between artificial intelligence and human intelligence really starts taking off because 5G is not just going to um, control armies of robots and manufacturing lines in hospitals and traffic lights, uh, uh, air, 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 aircraft um, um, Air, air, aircraft control, air traffic control at airports. It's going to be do much more than that. You know, you, you're you going to be able to fly your whole fleet of airliners using 5G without having a pilot at the controls. The plane is going to be able to take off and land, uh, discharge its passengers, which are probably all going to be a whole lot of robots. I'm um, oh, sorry, do you have your visa? <laughs> um. <laughs> Stop laughing at your own jokes, Alameen. You're told you mustn't laugh at your own jokes on the radio. Okay, I, I won't laugh at that. Um, yeah, so it's not only going to control all of those robots in all of those places. It's also going to control robots on the battlefield. You're going to have battle tanks coming in without human beings in them. Uh, and you're not going to have, like, one guy per tank. You're going to have one guy controlling 50 tanks. No, not even one guy. It's going to have a... You're going to have a... Um, and What do they call those things? Those, those fancy number calculations? The ah, Word has slipped my mind. It's just going to be a mathematical formula which is going to be controlling all of it. You know, the world might be wiped out one day because somebody made a mathematical mistake while trying to, while trying to get his breakfast ready. Uh, so yeah, 5G is going to be about surreal state control. You have a look at what China is doing it against the Uyghurs in uh, northwestern China. Um, you know, that you've got 5G is monitoring uh, any small, slight little change in your Facebook activity, in your emails, in who you email, what time you email, what time you leave home, what time you come home from work, uh, where you go to shop. You know, everything, every small, tiny little thing. They've got cameras watching you. Every single small little step you take is watched by Big Brother. So this is what five G is in actual fact all about. It is the introduction of Big Brother. It is the weaponization of Big Brother. That's what five G is all about. What am I conspiracy theorists? You just worried about getting your 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 uh your downloads in ultra fast time, you know, you're gonna be bad with the download. You you you're gonna be able to um define like twenty movies and download them in like three seconds boy, you know, your kids are going to be calling for it. But really, the kids are going to be crying by the time their grandchildren are being born. Uh, well, anyway. Further on, uh, ANC Treasurer, Treasurer General Zwilliman Kiesi said he did not request funding from the PIC or any other state-owned entity for the ANC uh, in on January 8. That's after um, uh, Dan Majila, Dr. Dan Majila. Uh, I really like that guy. Um, you know, among the real competent um, bureaucrats in South Africa there, Dan Matila. very dirty d- job has been done on him because he didn't want to follow the political sway. So now the former ANC Treasurer General's William Keyes, is saying he did not request funding. Uh, no, I didn't request the funding. I got my secretary to do it. Mm. What does that mean? Like the one guy, he says he did not request the funding. Why not say the ANC did not request the funding? But he didn't say that. He said I didn't request the funding. Okay, right, fine. So he's not lying. He didn't request the funding. He sent, uh, he sent his secretary to do it for him because he was too scared to go himself. Hmm. Uh, in response to the testimony of uh, Dan Machida before the commission on Wednesday, he had told the commission he received requests for funding from politically connected people, or from all political parties, not just the ruling party, Uh, but nevertheless, as William Kese has felt a need to try and clear his personal board. Uh, He particularly gave an example of the PSC was asked by a top ANC official why is William Kese stands up and says, it wasn't me. Hmm? (laughs) You know the guy standing up and saying it wasn't me. You know, you're... You've got to really like sort of like, you know, put a big question mark above the guy's head. You like kind of slap a little sticky on the back of his back with a big question mark on it. So he says he was asked by a top ANC official to assist the ANC for his January 8th statement. But Magili explained the asset manager cannot get involved in the funding of the party. Uh, he said officially he would not name him. Asked Magila to re- refer the request to other possible entities who had been funded by the PIC. Uh, he then sent him off to another businessman to try and find assistance there. Economic Freedom Front fighters. Well, they're in Parliament uh, this afternoon uh, threatening to manhandle Pravin Gordon as he's trying to table his his, his departmental budget. Um, <clears throat> Pravin Gordon stood his ground until he is eventually removed by security guards. Uh, the EFF was ejected out of the chamber. They said that he is illegitimate and unconstitutional. Uh, the public protector has uh, demanded remedial action against him, and because no remedial action has been taken against him, the EFF said they're not going to allow him to speak, which then got the Speaker of the House saying, oh, okay, right then, poof, out you go. Well, she first tried to eject one guy, and uh, then uh, the as uh, that one guy then went and uh, stood at the podium right in front of of uh, Pravin, and then he was joined. So like you know when uh, uh, two soccer teams on on a soccer field, you know one one guy gets punched up, and then suddenly like you know these groups come. It was a bit like that. It's a bit like a a soccer field. Uh, and the EFF were rejected, ejected, and uh, Praveen continued with his budget vote. And uh, so, anyway, the EFF is saying now, uh, Maria Ramos, uh-uh, we don't want that woman on uh, the PIC. They say Maria Ramos will unavoidably be conflicted and will certainly not defend the interests of government employees on the PIC board as she has direct relationships with the companies she served as a director in. Uh, While well, she was the uh, director of APSA, she headed up Transnet, um, and before that uh, she was... Uh, she was, uh, was she DTI know she was under Trevor Manuel? Uh, saying she was under Trevor Manuel is an unfortunate choice of words, I suppose, uh, because she was his subordinate. Uh, was she with trade? She was DTI. Uh, no, no, she wasn't DTI. She must have, I, I can't remember what she was with Trevor Manuel. I can remember she and Trevor went over to the Seattle uh, conference, I think it was 2008 And she was like uh, the darling of all the leftists, you know, as Trevor was, you know, that had all their photos taken and everything. And uh, then she ended up um, head of APSA Bank and apologized. She apologized for APSA um, manipulating the value of the currency. She did. She apologized. Um, She didn't prevent it, but she did apologize and admit that, yes, APSA had manipulated the value of the rand. Uh, while the the Competition Commission, Competition Tribunal, still tussling with those issues. Uh, Hopefully there will be some progress soon. Uh, But yeah, so this is Maria Ramos, chief executive of the bank, one of the biggest banks in South Africa, biggest mortgage book in South Africa, Um, fiddling the rand. Now she's going to be, uh, now she's on the board of the PIC. She's married to Mr. Rothschild, um, Trevor Manuel. So, Mrs. Rothschild is now head of the PIC. Well, not not head of the PIC, she's on the board. But um, I've seen, you know, I think uh, someday I'm going to go and have a look and find out how many times, where, where is Rothschild's advising government? Let's try and find uh, Trevor Manuel's dirty footprints. Let's try and track Trevor, Mr. Mr. Rothschild. Yeah, it really is, you know. I suppose, I suppose he still considers himself a revolutionary. I wonder. <laughs> anyway, uh, Tito Maweni announced a 12-member interim board of the PIC following the mass resignation of the old structure in February amid claims of corruption. Uh, the EFL also described Ramos's appointment as a perfect sign that President Maposa has no interest in changing the status quo, also questioning if there were no capable men and women, black women in particular, who could have been put in the place of Maria Ramos. In February, Ramos uh, stepped down as ABSA chief executive. She'd been there for 10 years. Formerly, she was uh, Transnet chief executive. She's 60 years old. She's not looking bad for 60 years old, I must say, but no stranger to public entities. But the EFF believes that experience and ties with the corporate sector does not make her a suitable choice. Well, uh, I don't know. I'm pretty sure there are plenty of other guys on the board who also got connections to the corporate sector. Um, and considering that the PIC itself is a corporation as well, well, I don't know what they're saying really. The EFF is also a corporation. You know, they can't stand in elections unless they uh, register as a political party, um, as a as a, um, a a legal fiction. The EFF is as much a legal fiction as Anglo American and uh, the ANC and the PIC. All of them. They're corporations. The EFF is also a corporation. The EFF despite all its words is there to take the money. That's what the corporation does. That's what the system does. You know, you find yourself uh, trying to get into power and you've got to go on tax loans and you've got to make commitments to all kinds of dirty people. Uh, the EFF says she is going to the PIC to ensure that it continues to invest in white business which she has always served. Well, there you have the last word on Maria Ramos for today. Mining production in May fell 1.5% year on year. The biggest negative contributors were gold, which fell Hmm. 24.4%. They're not selling gold while the gold price is going up. Do they believe that gold price is going to continue going up? Are they building the reserves? I wonder gold go uh, gold production down 24.4% diamonds down 30.7% well a very weak price for diamonds at the moment don't blame them iron ore fell 5.2% and other metallic minerals 9.8% biggest positive contributors uh, were coal which rose 8% mm. So, you know, global warming and all of that well wow, don't worry man we're selling coal or well, hand over fist platinum group metals rose 6.8% and manganese ore 29.3% yeah yeah manganese we we, we also yeah, can't make stainless steel without manganese got to have manganese and we, we, we've got around about 80% of the world's reserves 70% of platinum and uh, the, these are the reasons why you know um, we produced half of all the gold that humanity has produced South Africa, and we've got 4 million ounces of gold uh, at the Reserve Bank. We're like one of the smallest gold holdings in the world, and we've produced half of all the gold that mankind has produced. You know, it's that kind of craziness that says to me that uh, this is why. We can't just allow these strangers to come into our country, dig holes, poison the groundwater, poison their environment, destroy communities, uh, in exchange for a few jobs. And then they take these hugely expensive minerals overseas, and they put them, you know, from one hole in South Africa, another hole in a in a in a vault in Switzerland. Although apparently the London Metals Exchange has now taken all of that all of that platinum holdings and is holding it itself. Which is a very interesting move. Uh, But it's a very murky world, the platinum world, as is the gold world, the bullion banking world. Um, Seasonally adjusted mining production increased by 3% in May compared with April. Uh, This followed month-on-month changes of minus 1.8% in April and 3.9% in March, so positive in March. Seasonally adjusted mining production increased by 2.2%. That's in this year's mining production over the previous month. So May over the previous month, up 2.2%. Mineral sales increased by 10.7% year-on-year in May 2019. The largest positive contributors, as I say, platinum group metals, iron ore, and other non-metallic minerals. Sir, so, gold rose... For a third day in a row, uh, on uh, indications, the Federal Reserve is moving into dovish territory, as they like to call it, dovish territory. It's so like, oh, it's a lovely peace dove. Which in the meantime, they're destroying people's lives, throwing people out of their homes, repossessing furniture, repossessing cars, destroying dreams. That's what it's all about. They say they're managing the economy. They're not. They're destroying love. Bullion straightened above 1,400 an ounce again as investors took note of the Fed's dovishness, damping doubts about monetary policy easing that arose following stronger-than-expected U.S. payrolls data. Speaking of Congress on Wednesday, Chairperson Jeremy Powell said June's job report was great news, but not enough to tilt the balance because wages aren't rising fast enough to trigger much inflation. Exchange-traded funds backed by the precious metal also received a boost, with holdings rising to 2,311.3 tons as of Wednesday, the highest level since 2013. Uh, gold is trading near a six-year high on the prospects of lower rates, which boosts the appeal of non-interest-bearing assets like bonds, with geopolitical and trade tensions also spurring demand. Despite a truce between U.S. and China, Powell stressed downside risks stemming from uncertainties over trade and slowing momentum in some economies. Minutes from the Fed's June meeting confirmed an inclination among officials to ease policy soon. Although there will be a few bumps on the way, given the level of skepticism in the first gold rally cycle, we think there will be an even greater gold rush in the coming weeks and months, Stephen Innes, Managing Director of Vanguard's Markets, uh, said in a note. So gold prices could stay on an upward path as central bankers pivot to an easing stance, the U.S. dollar turns gradually weaker with a more dovish Fed, and the burden of harmful yielding debt rises. Mm. Harmful yielding debt. Mm. Stinker debt. Powell is set to continue with his testimony later today. Uh, this time before the Senate Banking Committee. Also, on investors' watch list is dot on U.S. inflation scheduled for release today. Still haven't seen that. And uh, well, anyway, spot gold is on a thousand four hundred seven dollars a fine ounce at the moment. Uh, Salci today said it has begun talks to delay debt payments and has hired consultants to probe its business practices and advise on a restructuring company says it has significant austerity measures such as cost cuts uh, is busy with. It's got a hiring freeze. Uh, Douglas Craigie Stevenson, the chief executive, uh, said in a letter that was seen by Bloomberg, uh, shares in Celci fell 13% uh, today. Salsi has been laboring under 8.9 billion rands worth of debt as it tried to compete with Vodacom and MTN. Oh, it's been having a really hard time. Well-established carriers that control the bulk of the South African market and wireless services and operate the biggest networks. CELSI has 2.6 billion Rand worth of debt maturity in August 2020 and is trying to, like, push back that repayment date. Uh, Stevenson uh, said they are engaging with lenders to re-term the debt to allow them sufficient time to implement the Buffett transaction. Uh... And let's see if they say anything about the Buffett transaction. Oh, Buffett transaction. Well, now this is taking me back. Uh, it's a Buffett consortium. It's not. Uh, the, it's not the Berkshire Hathaway guy. Um, it's a consortium. Uh, referring to plans to sell a stake in Salce to consortium of investors. That's all they say. You know, we still don't actually know who they are. Salce's problems have weighed on Blue Label, which holds a forty-five percent stake in Salce. Uh, oh yes, yes, yes. No, the Buffett consortium is led by that Bears guy. Um, yeah, the furniture, the Bears. Bears, Bears really cares about you. Remember that one? Yeah, yeah. Bears furnishes. Uh, the Bears furnishes millionaire. He's the one behind um, uh, the uh, the Buffett group. Uh, so yeah, so there is a there is a plan, but whether or not it's going to be accepted and implemented remains to be seen. Uh, Price Waterhouse Coopers will audit Celsius procurement practices and review processes, and a law firm Bowman's will investigate any irregular business practices, according to the letter. Deloitte has been named as an independent financial restructuring advisor. Uh, right, okay, so, well, you know, we're basically running out of news for today. Um, will Will the PIC actually be successful? In uh, taking, uh, in taking, in turning around Escom, according to Peter attard Montalto, uh, if uh, if the PIC does uh, does break up Escom into the three separate divisions, uh, as has been suggested by Silurum Aposa, that's um, Generation, which is all the debties. So you see, basically, I've said before on the show that uh, this. Breaking it up into three separate entities isn't really going to do anything other than allowing you to uh, hive off, uh, to ring fence the debt. And then you can uh, make a nice profit out of the remaining sections of ESCOM, which are distribution and transmission. Uh, According according to um, that guy with the funny name, uh, transmission will be the most well-run and profitable entity. Peter Attard and Montalto, Head of Capital Markets Research for Intellidex. He says, preferable treatment over other bondholders will create huge legal headaches for government. Well, you see, um, uh, I'm sure if the PIC moves, moves towards trading bonds for equity, and then it's going to be an equity shareholder. Now, uh, if you give them a preferential treatment, and other bondholders complain, then you can say to the other bondholders, "Okay, if you want to come along and turn Escom around, please join us." I bet you not one of them is going to step up to the plate. Not one of them is going to step up to the plate. So um, I can't really see a chorus of complaints uh, coming from the ranks of the other bondholders of Escom's bonds. Most of whom are probably got their shareholders demanding that they that they ditch Escom bonds as soon as they can. Already, uh, the Public Service Servants Association has said that the PIC should stop buying uh, ESCOM debt and should begin selling its bonds. The union claims that pensioners' money should not be used to prop up struggling state companies that have been beset by corruption scandals, including ESCOM. Yeah, it is an argument. Maybe we'll return to that tomorrow. But right now, I've got to go for my Jumas Sala. Uh, My Isha salah. Uh, jazakum Allah for joining us. I uh, make dua that whatever train activity you get up to today is profitable and above all halal. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.